What is going on, beautiful people? I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming you all to the Quarterly Report, episode 91. Thank you all for joining me this week. On this week's show, my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, making his monthly appearance. And y'all know, every time my cousin's on the show, he gets the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy or not. Now, yes, I know. I've got some crazy or some outlandish takes, and I'm sure many of you all listening to this podcast from time to time have found yourself saying, damn, Armand is crazy as hell right now. Well, you're in luck. My cousin will be in the show this week and having the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy with any of my takes. Plus, there are a lot of sports figures who I have sympathy for, who I empathize for. But one person has gotten no love from anybody else. And I'm going to break that trend on this here show. Yes, fourth quarter this week, I will let you know who I sympathize for the most in the sports world, why, and what I plan to do about it. All that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Hey, you. You listening right there. Keep it quiet. Shh. We've got to be really quiet because I haven't seen the parody police since Sunday. And I know they have to be out there because they always jump at the sight of a lack of parody. But I haven't found anyone yet. So I know they have to be lurking. So, guys, keep it down. Shh, shh. Let me know if you see the parody police coming at any moment. That's kind of how I've been feeling lately. Because every single offseason. Every single year heading into the NBA season, hell, throughout the entire season, throughout the entire playoffs, the parody police always make themselves known. They always show out. They always like, yo, I don't like the NBA because you know who's going to win. I don't like the NBA. The NBA is boring because you always know who's going to win. At any given year, there are only four teams who can win in the NBA, and that's why I don't like basketball. Number one, Slim, if you don't like basketball, don't talk to me about not liking basketball. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of sports that I don't like, but I don't wait until the Masters to be like, hey, guys, let me tell you why I don't like golf. Who does that? That's number one. But number two, I'm sorry. If you don't like the NBA because there are there is a lack of parity, number one, cool. I'm not here to tell anybody what they should or should not like. If you don't like the NBA, bong, cool. I love it. What you eat don't make me bleep. You feel me? Where's the love? Shout out to Jay-Z. Look, do your thing. If I'm talking to my folks about why I love the NBA and then all of a sudden you come in just to interject your opinion about why you don't like basketball. Number one, you lame as hell. Number two, do you. However, if you want to always interject and tell me why you don't like the the NBA and why basketball is so boring and what's wrong with NBA, if you're going to then do that, if your justification for hating the NBA or thinking that the NBA is boring, or telling me 
a basketball, someone who loves the game of basketball telling me what's wrong with the NBA is because there is a lack of parity. You better be here. You better be here. Keep that same energy when the New England Patriots go to their third straight Super Bowl. Because I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the parody police ever since the beginning of January. Now, actually, since the end of November. Everybody knew coming into this year in college football that Clemson and Alabama were going to be two of the best teams. In fact, we all probably, if we had to bet, would have bet on Clemson, Alabama, meeting for the national championship. And guess what? For the third time in, what, five years, we got it. But oddly enough, man, the, the parody police, I, I didn't see them. They weren't flooding my timeline telling me why college football is boring. In fact, they were saying they should get more college football games. <laughs> Think about that. The people who say basketball is so boring because you know who's going to win are the same people who, despite the fact that we all knew who was going to be in the college football national championship, have been demanding and begging for more college football games. As if that would have changed anything. Ask yourself this question. If you had to put a, uh, an amount of money that mattered to you on who would be, not even in the national championship game, but who would be two of the four teams who make the national championship tournament, who wouldn't pick Alabama and Clemson right now? Raise your hand. Nobody's hand is raised right now because everybody knows Alabama and Clemson will be in a national championship game next season, barring injury. We know that, or at least the, the final four. So I, I took a mental note like, ah, parody, please. Maybe they're doing some undercover work. Maybe a big sting is coming, right? Because this can't just be for the NBA. People who don't like, you know, knowing who's going to win, knowing the outcome, this just can't be an NBA thing, can it? No, of course not. There has to be a bigger play here. So maybe they're doing a stakeout right now. Maybe they're doing some undercover work. Maybe they're talking to, you know, a CI, doing the, the homework, doing the background, doing all the grunt work, if you will. So I kept, I kept quiet. I shut up. And... Just waited. Now here we are. Damn near the end of January 2019. And look who's in the Super Bowl again. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Look, man, I'm on record. One of the beautiful things about having a podcast, Slim, you can always check me. If I'm making stuff up, my opinion, my thoughts, my voice, it's it's forever recorded, readily available. Not a not a dime. Doesn't cost a dime. You can listen to what I have to think on whatever topic at any time. And I told y'all the Patriots were going to go to the Super Bowl. I told y'all in September when everybody's talking about what's wrong with the Patriots. Is this the end of the Patriots? Like yo, y'all Bama's a wildin'. There's nothing wrong with the Patriots. In fact, the Patriots will be among the last teams standing. And here we are. Slim, I'm not Miss Cleo, baby. The NFL sells parity. The NFL sells competitive balance so well. 
but they don't have any. Yo, we are getting a repeat championship from 17 years ago. <laughs> we saw the same two teams play. And I'm assuming, I'm guessing, there's going to be another close game. And the same team that won 17 years ago is going to be the same team that won in 2019. That's just me. It's ridiculous. Some of these narratives, man, I, I'm not the biggest football NFL fan that there is. I will readily admit that. But there is something fascinating, at least for me, about continually, continually, continuously, easy for me to say, continuously hearing these narratives, these cliches that are like pillars of this league that they prop everything up at for about competitive balance, parity, how you should, you need a quarterback to win, and all this other stuff that they, they recycle, regurgitate, that has just become like gospel. And like so many people, just mindless, just turn their own independent thinking mind off and just continue to go with it. So you can imagine my surprise when the Patriots, unsurprising to me, made it to their third straight Super Bowl and no one was talking about, oh my God, the NFL is boring because you always know the Patriots are going to win. The Patriots are always going to be, the Patriots always win the division. Check. The Patriots always are in the conference championship game. Check. For three years in a row now, the Patriots have won the Super Bowl. Check. And if the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year, it will have been their third Super Bowl win in five years. They beat the Seahawks. They lost in the AFC Championship game to Denver. They beat the Falcons. They lost in the Super Bowl last year to the, to the Eagles. And if they win this year, that would be their third Super Bowl in five years. Third Super Bowl win in five years. Their fourth Super Bowl appearance in five years. Oh, wow. That sounds really familiar. Who's another team who has won four championships in five years? Huh. Interesting, right? Because the Golden State Warriors apparently have ruined the NBA. The Golden State Warriors are why the NBA supposedly is broken, why it's boring, why you don't like basketball, according to the parody police. Yet in the league that they swear by, it's the exact same number. I talked to you guys about this before, so I'm going I'm to I'm run it back. Because make no mistake, I am not talk, I'm not saying that there is parity in the NBA. I admit it. There isn't any. There is no competitive balance in the NBA. I talked about last week. Yes, there are a finite number of legit championship players. Players who can make you win or make you a championship contender immediately. There are probably seven that we all can agree on, right? LeBron, in no particular order, LeBron. Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard. Those are the seven that are above all other players currently. That's not to say that there aren't other great players. Shout out to Kyrie Irving. Shout out to Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, 
Joel Embiid, Bong. I'm not saying Damian Lillard. I'm not saying that there aren't other great players, but those seven players that I've named first, those are the finite number of players who instantaneously will make you a championship contender. However, I believe that there's a smaller number of finite general managers who matter even more. Because somehow, some way, those great players always seem to always hurdle or come to the same teams, the same smart GMs. They always come find a way to migrate together to these same four or five teams. So, yo, I'm not saying that there's competitive balance. I'm not saying that there's parity in the NBA because there isn't any. But don't tell me, don't tell me that the NBA is bad or boring, or broken because there isn't any competitive balance, and then swear to me that the reason the NFL is so popular is because there is parity, because there's not. If we had a scale of parity, the NBA absolutely is at a zero. The NFL ain't at a 10, and in fact, it's not even at a five. It's closer to zero than you would like to think. And if you don't believe me, oh, I love to tell you this fact. Since 2000, there have only been seven NBA teams to win an NBA championship. Larry O'Brien Trophy, seven teams in basically 19 years. That is not good, 19 years. That's not good. Not good at all. I'm not arguing. There's no parity in the league. But if there's no parity in the NBA and the NFL has this great parity, then there should be more than 12 Super Bowl championships. 12 teams to win the Super Bowl, correct? And that number is not going to change now because the Rams have won a Super Bowl since 2000. The Patriots have won five Super Bowls since 2000. So that number at 12 is going to stay. And for all you snarky people out there, yes, I know 12 is greater than seven. It's a difference of five. But if the NBA is zero on the parity scale, and the NFL is a 10, the difference cannot be five. It can't be, especially considering there are two more teams in the NFL than in the NBA. There should be a larger number of teams. There are more options. There's more choice. There's more a variety of winners. And if you think the year 2000 is a, a small sample size that I'm cherry picking, go to 1990, since 1990. There have been 11 NBA champions. Again, 11 since 1990, not good. There have been 16 Super Bowl champions. Again, same difference of five. The NFL, two at more teams than the NBA. Don't talk to me about the NBA being broken because you know who's going to win. Because you always know who's going to win in the NFL as well. There may be a given year on average. Four teams, four or five teams who can win the Super or win the NBA championship in a year. And in any given year in the NFL, there are probably seven teams who can win a Super Bowl. It's the same thing. You need another illustration? Okay. Let's go since 2000. Let's break down who actually makes the Super Bowl because we know who wins the Super Bowl. It's not really that much. I just talked to you about it, right? Let's see who goes to the Super Bowl. The Rams, they're making their third Super Bowl appearance since 2000. The Eagles last year, 
make their second Super Bowl appearance since 2000. The Falcons, that was their first. Shout out to them. Then it was the Panthers, made their second Super Bowl appearance since 2000. The year before that, Seattle was making their what? Third Super Bowl appearance. The Packers have made one. The Cardinals have made one. The Giants have made three Super Bowl appearances since 2000. The Bears made one. I said the Saints. And then Tampa. But go through, go back. You see a lot of Eagles. You see a lot of Giants, a lot of Seattles, a few Carolinas, a lot of Rams. Doesn't seem like a lot of competitive balance. Doesn't seem like a lot of parity. And you already know the teams who go into the Super Bowl in the AFC. You got the Titans once, the, the Ravens, they made it twice. You had the Raiders once, and then you got what? Patriots. How many? I don't even know. What, nine times now? The Steelers have made it three times. The Broncos have made it twice. And then what? And the Colts made it one time. And that's it. That's an entire conference. And you're telling me that there's competitive balance? Talk to a Burgundy and Gold fan. Talk to a Cowboys fan. Talk to a Dolphins fan. Talk to a Bills fan. Talk to a Browns fan. A Bengals fan. A Titans, a Jaguars fan. How much winning have they done? A Lions fan. Where are the wins coming from? Where are the super where are the playoff wins coming at? Where are the Super Bowl appearances coming from? I named you over a quarter of the league. But y'all keep on drinking that Jim Jones Kool-Aid, man. Keep on following the narrative. Keep on following that the NFL, that your favorite NFL team can absolutely win the Super Bowl. You know how many Chargers fans were talking trash to me? Oh, man, this is going to be the year, man. We're going to prove y'all wrong. Don't talk, don't talk to me about the Chargers are more likely to win the Super Bowl than the Raptors. Get out of my face with that, bro. If, if I tell you I feel the Raptors can win the championship and you dismiss it, like, they don't ever do anything in the playoffs. They are just a regular season team. Don't then come at me with the Chargers. The Chargers? Man, you better take a seat, man. Wash your face. Reset your day. Start over. Stop accepting what they're telling us, man, because what they're telling us is a load of crap, and it doesn't take much to figure it out. Google is at our fingertips. So again, y'all parody police, you can like the NFL, bro. God bless you. Enjoy it. I'm not mad at whatever sport that you love the most. I'm glad that you have found something that you love. Let me love the NBA because every year in September, every year at the beginning of October, all these people, for whatever reason, will come out of the woodworks 
and tell you on whatever loudspeaker or bullhorn that they have available that this is what's wrong with the NBA. And parity and a lack of competitive balance is why the league is broken and it's boring. Nobody cares about basketball because you already know who's going to win and yada, 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 yada. If you're not bringing that same energy with the NFL or college football, I'm wondering why this is the way for the NBA and no other sport. Someone, please tell me why the parody police is always over the NBA but turns a blind eye to all the other sports, all the other lack of competitive balance, all the other lack of parity. Why does it matter in those sports? Why is it that when New England goes to the Super Bowl for three straight years, no one bats an eye? I'd love to hear it because I have no clue. You got an answer? Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Again, Quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. I got a note, man. I want to know. Shout out to Joe, baby. Somebody tell me. Because I don't know. Cause I, it, it looks funny in the light, bro. But I, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm honestly asking. Someone tell me. All right, y'all. That's the first quarter this week. We're going to leave the gridiron for a second. We will bounce back to football. I promise you that. We're going to step on the hardwood for our second topic. Second quarter. Yes, sir. It is time for my hot take of the week. It's been a while since I delivered a a scorching hot take, which I guess this may or may not be. I'll let you guys decide. As you all know, depending on how long you've been listening to this podcast, number one, thank you all for spending an hour and a half or so of, of your day, of your week, giving it to me and, and listening to my thoughts, my musings on life, sports, entertainment, and everything in between. But y'all know I love the New York Knicks. Why? I still don't know. I still don't know why. I still bleed orange and blue. It pains me that I like this team. It pains me that I still love this team because I know they're no good for me. I know they're not doing me any, any they're not bringing anything positive to my life. It's not even fun to watch them. It, I can't even watch them like that for real. In fact, the best outcome of games and last week they were playing in london against the washington wizards and that was the best i can hope for play competitively let the young boys showcase what they can do and then lose in the end because this season is all about developing finding out what you have in your young players and now at this point more important is to get the number one overall pick i don't want number two I don't want number three. I don't want number four. I want Zion. Road to Zion. Shout out to Lauren Hill. That's what I want. That's what I need in my life. And that's where the hot take comes in. Because Slim, let me say this right now. I don't know what day it is that you are listening to my voice. So let's just say end of January 2019. If the New York Knicks get the number one pick in the draft, 
I'm going to do this with dramatic effect. Because I don't know where y'all think I'm going to go. But I can assure you, y'all don't know where I'm finna go. That's why this is the hot take of the week. So I'm going to let it simmer for a little bit. You know? If the New York Knicks get the number one pick in the draft, they should trade Kristaps Porzingis. Yep, I said it. Trade him. I'm talking about trade him. And damn it, I don't care. I love Kristaps. I may learn the Latvian language just because of my sheer devotion to the sixth guy. I love him. My favorite player in the league currently right now, although his ass isn't playing, he may not even be in the States. <laughs> but I trade Kristaps Porzingis, and I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not going to take the short route. I'm going to go the scenic route. This season, the number one big fish is Anthony Davis, right? You have seen the Celtics. You know the Celtics and the Lakers in the Cold War right now. Who can get Anthony Davis? Unfortunately for both teams, what once was a looked upon as being this amazing kind of crop of young, talented assets that both teams had. For the Lakers, Brandon Ingram, right? Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball, Josh Hart. For the Celtics, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. Nobody wants them now. Think about it. If the Lakers called the New Orleans Pelicans, like, look, we're going to give you Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball for Anthony Davis. Is that the same thing? Like, uh, imagine going back in time to a year ago, January 2018, and you heard the Lakers were offering Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma for Anthony Davis. You're like, okay. That would be enough to pique the, the Pelicans' interest. Fast forward to current times. The Pelicans like, okay, well, hold on. Let's see what else we could do here. So then you go across the, the country to Boston. Hey, Boston, what y'all got? And Boston's like, yo, we got Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. And you're like, man, what the? <laughs> right? Boston now, they have these picks. They've got Memphis. They've got Sacramento. So the picks are valuable. But again, you got to make the salaries work. Because Anthony Davis is going to make this suit, this whatever, the most money he can make. And he's probably going to want to do a sign and trade so he can still get his Supermax. Unless he demands a trade before the season. You don't know. So in a year's time... Two teams who thought to have kind of the best young crop of assets this league has seen, eh, you sour on it, which happens. The more you get to see a certain group of players, the less excited you become of them. Nine times out of ten, unless you've got a superstar like a Kawhi, like a Giannis. You know, the more you see of Luka, oh, hell, I want that. But those players tend to not to be on the trade deadline or in the training block. Which goes back to my point. Kristaps Porzingis, despite the fact that he's coming off of an MCL tear, despite the fact that I've talked to, you know, former guest Kevin Broom, and the stats say that, you know what, he's a little bit overrated. 
maybe a lot overrated, his value hasn't dropped. People still view him as this max player. So I would I would even offer to, to say that Chris Dops has more trade value than Brandon Ingram or Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward or Alonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma. The biggest name, the biggest get of all those names would absolutely be Chris Dops. And that's where the Knicks have to operate. It's not just being a great front office exec can't just be about scouting and drafting and offering contracts. And yes, all of those things are very important, but it has to be more. Just like when you play poker, you got to know the guy who's got the worst tail. You've got to know the guy who's the impulse player. You've got to know the guy who scratches his head when he doesn't have a good hand or who rubs his nose when he knows he's got something really, really good. You got to know that. When you're playing fantasy, you got to know the guy who wants players from his favorite team because you can flip that to your advantage. You also got to know the guy who doesn't like to have players that he doesn't like. Case in point, when I play fantasy basketball, I don't like to have players on my team who I don't like. Now, I don't let that stop me from drafting them because I don't want to be the, that guy. But this year, I drafted DeMar DeRozan. I drafted Andrew Wiggins, one of my homeboys, Ian McCoy, regular guest on the show. He was like, yo, you drafted them? Ask me if they're on my team right now. Hell no. Nah. But that's my weakness. Being a front office exec in the real world, on in real sports, in real professional leagues, you got to know. Observe the territory. Know the environment. And right now, you have to know Boston and L.A. want Anthony Davis, and Boston and L.A.'s assets are not up to par. If we get a chance to get Zion, and we still only have one spot for a max player, oh, I'm calling the orders. It's like, hold on. Let's see what we can do. They're offering Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Slim, I'll give you Kristaps Porzingis. Emmanuel Moutier, Alonzo Trier. Let me tell you something. At this point, at this point right now, the only player who I would say I would not trade is Mitchell Robinson. That's the one guy on the team. Everybody else have him. If I'm the Knicks, I'm like, we'll give you Tim Hardaway Jr. We'll give you Chris Stops. We'll give you Kevin Knox. And you could give us Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Whatever the case may be, you can give me Anthony Davis. I'll give you Tim Hardaway Jr. and, and Chris Stops. Look at our roster outside of Mitchell. And look, if they pressed us for Mitchell, i trade his ass too to get Anthony Davis. You understand? But he's the one I would want to keep. Because if we get Zion and we can flip Chris Stops for Anthony Davis and we still have space for one max player, then we come calling on Kevin Durant's stories like, Slim, what's happening? You want to be a part of this? We got the future. Right? You come be the present. We got three generations of just monsters. The legit monsters. Come to New York, baby. Let's get this money. And if that doesn't work out, guess who I'm calling after that? I'm calling the Great Northwest. Portland, Damien don't want to stay there, and it's not working for y'all. 
Come take this seven foot Latvian. Y'all know what to do with them. Let me tell you something. If we get the number one overall pick, bye bye, Kristaps, baby. It's been real. But this is the thing when it comes to picks. People value picks because they ultimately think that the picks are going to turn into the stars. And sometimes the picks are just tools to get you the stars. Kristaps is a good player. I think he's overrated a bit. I love him. He's my favorite player. And if the and of course the Knicks won't offer him in a trade. Of course they won't. They don't think like this. And that's fine. I fret because we're going to offer him a max, and of course he's going to sign the max, and we're going to be stuck with Kristaps. I shouldn't say stuck, but he's not going to be the player to propel us into championship consideration, win or contention. But he could be used. He could be the vehicle to get us there if they allowed themselves to think like that. Don't be so attached to the player and making the player be the one to do it. If the player is not that good or if his perceived productivity outweighs his actual productivity, use that. Because I absolutely think that a, a, a package centered around Chris Stops could get Anthony Davis to New York. I 100% believe that. I think a package centered around Chris Stops could absolutely get us Damian Lillard if the Blazers have another first-round blunder of a run in the playoffs. I absolutely believe that. And that's the hot take. Trade Chris Stops' ass. But only if we get the number one overall pick. Don't trade him for R.J. Barrett. No, 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 no. This is Zion a bus territory right here, man. Because Slim, let me tell y'all something. If when they, drew, when they drew the damn ping pongs, and that number one is that little triangle with that, that Knicks in the basketball, I may not do this show for a month. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what... I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what sound will emanate from my body and being. I don't know. But I do know y'all going to hate me. Shout out to Rod Smart. He hate me. That's going to be me. Y'all bammers are not going to want to be around me because I will be ridiculous. Because if we get Zion, oh, the whole game has changed. And then... Because I, I don't fully believe that Kevin Durant's coming to New York. No, I don't believe that. But if we get Zion, oh, the, the whole game changes. And the game could be over if we send Kristaps' ass to the biggies. All right, y'all. Y'all heard the horn. Y'all know what time it is. That means it's time for halftime. But before we go to halftime, I want you guys to know you can always interact with yours truly. The show is better when you guys send questions or comments or ask me to engage with me online. It doesn't even have to be for the show. Just know you always got my ear. You can tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. Or you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow me on Instagram. I'm at quarterly report again. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E report. On Instagram, you're going to want to check that page. Do a lot of really fun stuff, including every other Monday of the NBA season. The Wire NBA comparisons, man. It's a, it's a, a passion project that I have. I love the NBA. I love The Wire. 
So each or every other week, I should say, I'm comparing one of the best players in the league to one of the most favorite iconic characters from the great HBO television show. So check that out along with all types of behind the scenes uh, segments from the interviews and other little fun stuff that if I have time, I put up there on the page. think you guys will enjoy it. So check me out on Instagram, Quarterly Report as well. All right, guys. For halftime this week, I got to be honest with you. This week, I got a question. I got a question centered squarely for ESPN. ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports. And correctly, ESPN oftentimes in the past has realized that they have a platform and they should speak out about serious issues and situations that overlap in sports and in our society. And specifically, I'm talking about domestic violence. We could be serious for a second. Unfortunately, far too often in our sporting world, we see this ugly um, instance and this ugly situation of domestic violence appear far too often, far too frequently. In ESPN over the last handful of years, they have, they have met that challenge and used their platform to speak down and to address and to shine a light on some of these, the heinous actions by some of our, as a society, beloved athletes, right? We put athletes up on a pedestal, but it's, it's important that we realize and we, and we speak to justice and, and put them and shame them and, and highlight the injustice of the, and the, and the awfulness of domestic violence when we see it. And ESPN over the years has been the leading voice when it comes to sport reporting right on talking about how awful domestic violence is and how these leagues should be held responsible and accountable even taking their biggest partner the nfl to task and somehow some way this weekend happened which left me completely dumbfounded in fact i needed to call the people for unsolved mysteries because this is one who done it or one mystery that I have no idea how it got to this point. Take a listen. Hardy was suspended after a judge and an independent investigation by the NFL found him guilty of multiple instances of physical violence against his then-girlfriend, including, but not limited to, the time he threw her onto a futon covered in assault rifles. That guy, facing the media for the first time, said he'd like to come out guns blazing. That's baffling to me. What's baffling to me is how ESPN and personalities that they employ go from that to having Greg Hardy be the co-main event on their debut of their partnership with the UFC this past week. Not a single explanation, not a single statement, and none of the personalities that they employ had any bit of rage directed toward their new partner. How does this happen? In a matter of years, how does ESPN go from correctly calling Greg Hardy out as being public enemy number one to then having him make them money? Something's not adding up. And unfortunately, it seems to be ESPN's credibility and their integrity causing the disparity.
like I said earlier, you know, we like to have a good time here on the show. But seriously, this really bothered me this past weekend because ESPN was absolutely correct in making Greg Hardy or show not making him showing the world just how vile a human being he was. They correctly ripped him to shreds a handful of years back when his case came to light. ESPN correctly questioned the NFL time and time again on their position, on their stance of domestic violence. And I'm not trying to single out Katie Nolan. You know, she does a great job. But it was and it wasn't just her. Dan Levitar, Pablo Torre, Sarah Spain. You know, the, the list goes on and on and on of people who correctly, again, correctly put their foot in the NFL's behind. But how do we go in just a matter of years for talking correctly about how awful it is to employ Greg Hardy? How awful it is to have him represent your shield, if you will. And then when the when ESPN and the UFC partner up in their debut broadcast, Greg Hardy is on the event as the co-main event. How was that possible? You, I, I can't be the only person who is disgusted by that hypocrisy. It's like nausea. The amount of hypocrisy that is drenching this whole thing is nauseating. And what makes it even worse, all of those same personalities, the people who I like, the people who I respect, the people whose shows I listen to or watch, None of them said a word. None of them. I know Dana White was on first take apparently last week. and He was talking about does Greg Hardy deserve to have a shot on the card or deserve a position on or in his organization. That's completely different because what you just heard and what we heard all throughout 2012 or 13 or whatever this happened wasn't that does Greg Hardy deserve to be in the NFL is that the NFL should be shamed, be ashamed to employ someone like that for what he stands for and what he's done. And I'm not trying to take money away from Greg Hardy. If he's, you know, fixed himself, rejuvenated, you know, reconcile whatever issues, whatever, man, you know, that's not for me to decide. Maybe he has turned his life around, but the fact that there wasn't a statement, the fact that all of these personalities who bashed him, I mean, bashed him, and correctly so, had nothing to say when they're on, when he's on their network. That's crazy to me. And I know some of y'all be like, oh man, you know, you gotta be careful when it talks comes to, you know, voicing out your displeasure with your partner. I'll be like, you know what, that that's true. Unfortunately, the precedent had already been set because Greg Hardy at the time was playing for the NFL, who is a partner, probably the biggest partner of ESPN. So now I got the math's not adding up. If, you, if it's okay to talk about your partner when he's playing for the NFL, but now that he's actually for the UFC and it's your debut fight, you can't talk about your partner then, it doesn't make sense. No matter how long you want to play this game, at some point, logic it just stops. And you're just looking around like, hold on. How is this supposed to make sense? 
It's disgusting. It's nasty, man. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe. I, I'm not a UFC guy. I would have talked about this before last weekend had I known. But somebody was telling me, man, did you see Greg Hardy? He got DQ. I'm like, nah, I don't. I don't watch. What is he on Bellator? I don't watch. I don't watch the MMA. Say, like, nah, man. He was on that Uf, that ESPN UFC broadcast. And I was like, hold on. The same broadcast they've been promoting for like a month and a half. Their debut. This is this is the rollout. This is the the presentation that you are most proud to present to the people. This is the first of a long partnership, and you got Greg Hardy as the co-made event, and you try to sneak and like not talk about it. Come on, Slim. That's gross. That's nasty. It's nasty. Shout out to Jamel Hill for real, because she got up out of there. She got up out of there, man, because they're trying to. Because look. If the bosses say to the Katie Nolans and the Bomanis and the Pablos and the Levitards and whomever, Izzy's and whomever, don't talk about the UFC. Don't talk about Greg Hardy. Look, there's only so much you can do. You, you're not going to be insubordinate. But that practice then taints your integrity and credibility. It has to. I couldn't believe it. Maybe y'all knew about it. If you didn't like me, I'm sure y'all can't believe it either. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well. Again, tweet at me at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. Email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Again, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E -E, how we spell quarterly over here. All right, y'all. So, you know, we're going to keep the show moving. You know, a little tough. Rough patch right there, man. But you know what? We got two quarters left to kind of bring our spirits back up. And who better to help assist that than my blood, my cousin, my favorite guest that I have on the show. I know y'all love him as well. My cousin, Sadiq Abdul, for our third quarter this week. Third quarter. He is a promoter, a sports analyst. But more important, he's my cousin making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast. My cousin, Sadiq Abdul. Sadiq, what's going on, cuz? Thank you for joining me this week on the show. Wow, <laughs> what's up, cuz? Hey, that's that's the New Orleans sound right there. I did that just for the fans, man, so they can feel a little better. Hey, those people down in New Orleans, they need it. They need it right now because they hurting between the Saints <laughs> loss and Anthony Davis about to get up. They out are of there. exactly. It's, it's, it's a tough time down there in the Big Easy. Hey, it's tough times down there, man. You got to show them as much love as possible, man. But you know, enough, enough small talk. Everyone knows when you're on the show, you get the opportunity. To let me know if I'm crazy with any of the sports takes that I that I put out on a weekly basis. So without further ado, let's get to the first topic. We talked about the Saints and their heartbreaking loss, and it was a phenomenal conference Sunday. You know, the Saints and the Rams went to overtime. It was the first time in NFL history, I believe, that both conference championship games went to overtime. And while we mentioned the Saints a little bit earlier, we're going to focus this topic on the Chiefs-Patriots because so many people got upset with the fact that Tom Brady and the Patriots were able to win in overtime without Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense getting the ball. And honestly, y'all can miss me with that. It does not bother me that one team does not get the ball on offense during overtime especially considering how all you have to do is limit them to a field goal. The New England Patriots were faced with three 
third and tens in overtime on that overtime drive and they still got a touchdown so Sadiq am I crazy for thinking that the NFL overtime rules do not do not need to be changed well when I come in when we do these segments I intentionally you know want to go against you or think you're crazy and stuff but this is one I'm right here I kind of got to agree with you on I mean I could see that like where we're going with the with the sport now as far as they want to see shootouts they want to see fireworks and those type of things so Mahomes Mah- is the definition of that as far as the things he could do with the ball you know everybody he's they act like he's the first guy in history to ever threw the ball with a left hand they went crazy off that I mean don't get me don't get me wrong that now the throw where he wasn't looking that was dope that was crazy so everybody wanted to see what he can do in the clutch moment and we saw what he could do the whole fourth quarter he scored 24 points in the fourth quarter on Belichick's defense when he had to have it. So he was clutching that fourth quarter. And we and we sure he would have been clutch if he would have got that ball. But that's the thing. It's not about if he would have got it. That's why the defensive coordinator got fired from Andy, if I'm not mistaken, right? You have to make a stop. It's third and ten. It's not like New England is playing with – they're not – basically, I hate to say it, they have one of the greatest players of all time. And, and Brady maybe the greatest, but it's not like they're playing with a Golden State type of lineup where it's they you know you don't know you knew who they were gonna go to. Is it gonna be Grunt or it's gonna be Edel- Edelman? It's third and ten. All you gotta do is go off the field and see the same thing we talking about now. We're only talking about this because everybody wants to see the ball in, 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 in Mahomes' hands, but nobody is saying that on the other side if Breeze would have went down and scored and all we wanted to see the ball in golf hands. Because guess what? Because the Rams made the stop. They made the turnover. They forced to say it was second and 16. They forced Breeze, an all-time great, into a bad throw where he could have just ate and took the sack. But they forced him into the throw. Great, The great spin move by, uh, by what's his name, Fowler or whoever his was who hit Breeze. They made the stop. So, Kansas City, you're at home. You know, you're supposed to have a defense or whatever. Make, make a stop. Hold him to a field goal. If you hold him to three, if you just hold him to three, don't let him get across this line. Like we always talk about all the time, football is a game of inches and it's a game of basic line. If you hold, like, even the slant or the little skinny post that uh, Gronk caught on that third and ten, how about you stop Gronk on maybe third and nine? Just let him get it for nine and you hold him, you know, something. Just make a stop. Do whatever you got to do. Make a stop. Even if they hold him in that red zone, kick the field goal, and now Mahomes has the ball where he can get the touchdown, and now everybody is slurping him, and they've been like, oh, he's the greatest. He, he beat the greatest because he went down and scored a touchdown when the greatest only could get a field goal. It's on defense. At the end of the day, you can't change things because somebody didn't make a stop. We'll be here all day just trying to get touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. And that's not that's actually not fun football for Yeah, me. it's wild, Joe. Like, you, what we're seeing is just the evolution. It's been happening for, like, the last five to eight years, you know, and, you know, I get some of the changes that they made. We get it for the health reasons and things of that nature. But, like, the game of football is completely different now than it once was when we were growing up. And, like, again, change for health if you want to. I'm not even going to mm-hmm. argue that. But well, see, the game. Exactly. And not, not only that, because my bad to cut you off real quick. But the same thing, even saying with the health thing, they, they're so hypocritical when it comes to that. They might do it in week two. They might do it in week six. Might do it in week 11 or something. But then when it comes down to it, let's be real. Not only was that a pass interference in the Rams and Saints game, the guy, the guy gave him a helmet to helmet also. Nobody calls – it was two flags in one play you didn't call, and you're talking about health issues all the time. That was a helmet-to-helmet. So, therefore, you know, you be consistent is what – that's all people want is, is, is consistency. We want consistency in our relationships. We want consistency in our jobs. Speaking to the president, get that together. You know what I'm saying? So, basically, that's, that's all people want. You know, just be consistent. And it's, it's terrible, man. So, yeah. I mean, they, they, they're going too crazy with this offensive type of thing where it's – like a lot of people, I remember on that Monday game after, or the, the Tuesday morning after the Monday game when it was the Rams and Chiefs, 
And everybody went crazy, like, oh, the one of the greatest games ever, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, if you really watched it, it kind of wasn't. You don't want to see that much offense. A 50-something game to a 50-something game in the NFL, that was – I want to see some defense at some point. Yeah, you know, again, you know, the, the league has moved away from defense. It's almost like they are trying to diminish the importance. And, again, I'm not trying to sound like this old curmudgeon, but, Slim, it can't be too much to ask to make a stop. Not even a stop. Don't allow a touchdown because if you're saying that's too much to ask, we're, we're, we're on the fast track of <laughs> yeah, teams sure. scoring touchdowns on every possession. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I, don't, I think there's a, there's a point where it's just too much. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, and monthly contributor to the more Quarterly Report podcast. And we're doing the game that we always do when Deke is on the show, where he gets the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy with some of the sports takes that I'm giving out to y'all on a weekly basis. And so yeah. far, I am 1-0. I'm not crazy yet, but I'm sure that he's going to think I'm crazy off this joint. So let's get at it. DeMarcus Cousins has made his return to the basketball floor this past week. And thus far, got to give him all the credit in the world. He looks good. Doesn't look like he's rusty. Doesn't look like he's... Uh, laboring up and down the floor. He ke- he's coming off of really one of the more devastating injuries that a basketball player can get, and that's an Achilles rupture. And through two games at the time of this recording, he's looking tremendous. And as you would expect, the Golden State Warriors are starting to round into form. But my point is, yes, Golden State should be the favorites. Yes, Golden State is the likely uh, team to win the NBA championships if you had to put any money on. But I do not think that DeMarcus Cousins' presence makes it a foregone conclusion that Golden State wins the NBA championship. I'm going to tell you like this. They are the surest thing of all surest things in the history <laughs> of sure things. <laughs> no, it's no way. I mean, it's, it's absolutely no way, and especially because of the structure. We talk. We always talk about structure of everything. We just talk about the structure of NFL, what they're doing, things. The way the format of basketball is you got to beat a team four times you are not beating this golden state team four times it's just simple as that this is not ncaa's where you get lucky on a on a shot from vanderbilt or somebody like that we just happen to tip in and bounce around the rim and go in and the next thing you know a a, a 12 has beat a five nah and that's not none of this you got to beat those boys and it's not happening they have too much firepower they got firepower so much to the point where honestly you know how sometimes people talk, we talk about depth on the bench when it comes to playoffs and stuff. They don't really need any depth. They can, they can go seven deep if, if Kerr knows how to rotate people's minutes right and stuff. He, they can go seven deep and win this easily. Again, I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the Warriors won't win the championship. I'm not saying that the Warriors shouldn't be favorite to win the championship. I'm saying that it's not a foregone conclusion that they will. And here's what I'm saying. DeMarcus Cousins looked amazing. But one thing I think people are forgetting is that the death lineup, if you will, or the Hamptons Five, the lineup in which everyone knows Golden State is going to put their best effort. When they put the pedal to the metal, you know what I'm saying? When they put the foot on the gas, it's when they run out Steph, Clay, Iguodala, Draymond, and KD. If you're telling me that DeMarcus Cousins is now going to be in these big-time playoff clutch moments, that means you're taking out Andre Iguodala, who is your best perimeter or second best perimeter defender, right? And one of your second best passer. So the entire dynamic changes just by adding DeMarcus Cousins. Not to mention DeMarcus Cousins is not a good defensive player. Andre Iguodala is a phenomenal defensive player. 
Then you will look at just just longevity. The Warriors are what? They're about to make their fifth straight NBA Finals if they go this year, I believe. We haven't seen anything like that in the modern day NBA, a team making five straight NBA Finals. There is wear and tear that we cannot account for. We are seeing it in real time as it pertains to Draymond Green. Draymond Green can't make a shot. Klay Thompson, I know he was red hot recently since like Christmas. He's been, he's found his shot. But when you look at the totality of the season, even last season, his numbers have started to decline. There is something that is happening to their bodies, and we don't know if it's going to be a small issue, if it's going to be a medium-sized issue, or if it breaks everything down. So again, if you're telling me that the Toronto Raptors beat Golden State in the NBA Finals, that would not shock me. If you told me the Boston Celtics would beat the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, that would not shock me. Milwaukee would not shock me. This Warriors team almost lost to Houston last season. You know, it would not shock me. It is not a foregone conclusion that these Warriors win. I would, they're not being, nobody's beating Golden State. This is this is one of those stupid little Stephen A. Smith type of things right <laughs> here. You, say, you know, I just make up some, just say, no way. It's, look, look. All right. First off, you just said Clay is falling off or whatever you were just saying. He's not as good as he was two years ago. I know you said Draymond, but you're saying the same thing. Clay is not who. You mean 10 for 10, Clay? You mean the guy who just made 10 for 10 threes oh, last that's night? That's against the Lakers. The Lakers without Look, LeBron. I don't care who no, it was on, against. It's against an NBA team. 10 threes. P- people can't make 10 threes when they just by themselves just out there practicing. So so he's making that off coming off picks. Hey. He ain't making them 10 threes against Kawhi. Exactly. Okay, there you go. There you go. If Kawhi is on him, then who's on Curry? Then who's on KD? Then sooner or later, Boogie, even though he's looking well, he's playing well, sooner or later, Boogie's going to get close to You got to realize, at the end of the day, Boogie's fighting for a championship. And forget the championship. He's fighting for his own pockets championship. He's fighting for a contract. He's fighting for a contract. So sooner or later... Yeah, he's got to look like a team player. He's gonna look like a team player. He's gonna be great in the sense when he when he has to be great. They they about to be totally unstoppable, man. It's way too many open shots. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Again, like I said earlier, if you put Demarcus Cousins onto the floor, you got to take off one of your more valuable players in terms of passing or defense. Demarcus Cousins can pass. I'm not saying he can't, but he's not the passer that Draymond or Iguodala is. He definitely isn't the defender either of them are. And here's my biggest point. DeMarcus Cousins is extremely talented. No doubt. I'm not going to take anything away from that man. However, there is a reason why the Sacramento Kings are playing so much better now than they were when he was ever on that team. And they didn't get a superstar in return for him. They got young prospects and picks, and they're playing their best basketball without him. That's something that cannot be overstated. We don't know how it plays out. I can't wait to see it. But it is not a foregone conclusion. It's foregone. <laughs> it's already. I mean, let's be real. Let's. We could chalk it up. It's already. It's. It's. It's already happening. They want it. But aren't you the same guy that said something about San Antonio won't make the playoffs? I'm not gonna let. I'm not letting you off the hook on that. You mean the fifty? The fifty San Antonio Spurs? Cause they like three games out, three and a half games away from being. And nice. they two and a half out of third. <laughs> so I mean, what you say? You know what I'm, I'm saying just, we like, we only play half the season. Okay, we wait. I'm just I'm just saying we gonna wait. But I'm just saying this, the stuff that you say is crazy. He's crazy, America. Let's get to the third. Let's get third segment. Third uh, segment because this you, one's here over. Here you go. Y'all see how my family do? <laughs> That's okay. I stand by my Spurs uh, prediction. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't I ain't backing down yet. All right. Once again, y'all, my cousins here, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst. We having a good time, having a really fun time doing. 
Am I crazy? I give Sadiq three opinions of mine regarding sports, and he tells me if I'm crazy or not. I already know he's going to think I'm insane for this, but damn it, I'm going to rock with it anyway. The third topic, Michael Jordan. Up until this past weekend, I have uh, said. Here you go. You still hate him since we was kids. You, you've been a Nick. You've been a Nick fan forever. This is bias. Go ahead. What you got to say? Athlete of all time. He is the best team athlete ever. And then Sunday happened, and I had to move Michael Jordan to number two, just in terms of team sports, because Tom Brady is now the best. I don't care. I don't care what y'all got to say. Tom Brady is making his third straight Super Bowl. Tom Brady is forty. Was he forty two? It doesn't make any sense. Tom Brady has been to nine Super Bowls. That is more Super Bowls than any other team has made. The numbers he is doing is incredible. The winning he's done is incredible. It hasn't been matched. In my opinion, I don't really... It's over. There's no debate anymore. Tom Brady is the greatest team sport athlete of all time. So go ahead. I ain't even going to ask you. Go ahead, Deke. Tell me why I'm crazy. <laughs> I think my wife cooked dinner. I'm leaving, man. I don't even want to argue this one. You, look, so you telling me 6-0. Six, 6-0. Six oh, oh, man, he's never lost. I'm sorry. No, no. The dude, look, Jordan is the greatest, man. Don't ever look, look. Brady Brady lost to a backup quarterback last year. End of discussion. Yeah, end of discussion. I don't care. All this Mahomes, all this Foles magic and all this. He lost to a backup quarterback. Okay, boom. You got me there. Michael Jordan never lost in the championship. Tom Brady has lost three times. Tom Brady, every year that he plays, he makes it to the playoffs. Michael Jordan hasn't done that. So what's happening? Um, I want to say maybe the I, – I, I'm not sure. I have to look back. Maybe the rookie year. Maybe rookie year. Yep, his rookie year. Rookie year, that's it, right? His last two years in D.C. Huh? Man, his last two years with the Wizards. Jordan never played for the Wizards. That was a clone of somebody. We're talking Jordan, dog. Like, that don't count. That don't, no. This is kind of what else I'm saying. Tom Brady is doing something in the age of 40 in a more physical sport that Michael Jordan couldn't do at his 40s in a sport that's not anywhere close to being as violent as football. Tom Brady, like, no matter how you spin it, Brady is just better. Nah, their 40s is different, man. Brady gets protected. Brady got his rule changed. He got his ACL turl, and then next thing you know, they went to the drawing board and was like, oh, no, nah, we can't have our great. He's the reason why all these quarterbacks can't get hit. So the, the rules change. He has five big guys blocking for him. Jordan is 6'6", six, six, and he's out there jumping and dunking and all that. Yep, that takes a wear and tear on the body. Jordan's 40. Jordan's 40 is no, an NFL. No. Yes. is a way more violent his more 40, physically Yes. His, he's jumping and dunking. And, so he's coming down with his knees crazy. and his legs you all the crazy time, his lower now. back all the time compared to a quarterback. Right, whatever. You're not you, – you wilding right now. So let's move on to another argument. But Michael Jordan – won three championships with Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen, two of the best basketball players of all time. He won all six of his championships with Scottie Pippen, one of the 50 greatest basketball players of all time. You look at Tom Brady and what he was working with from an offensive standpoint, because obviously Tom Brady, he doesn't play defense. You know, Jordan had the benefit of playing defense and offense. In football, you only are represented for whatever percentage of the time you're on the field. When you look at Tom Brady's offensive weapons, outside of Rob Gronkowski, who's who's the who's the elite level player that he win, was winning championships with? Oh, I was about to say because Gronk Gronk a top two to three greatest tight end ever. Oh, absolutely. I think you can make the case he's the best of all time. But he hasn't been great this year, and he wasn't great on Sunday. Yeah, and that last drive, that third and ten, them, those third and tens, two third and tens with the him and one with the Edelman. Yeah, Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. 
This is what I'm talking about. Julian Edelman. Hold on, hold on. Edelman, Edelman is low key special. I'm sorry, you can't don't 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 discount no, that man. He yes, is he is. Not, you know what Edelman yeah. is? You know what Edelman <laughs> is? He is Steve Kerr. He's Steve Kerr to 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 Michael Jordan's Brady like that. That's that's what he is. Okay, bet bet. Let's let's run with what you're saying. Steve Kerr was the Bulls like third or fourth option behind Pippen and Tony Kukoc. Don't. So this is what I'm saying. If you're going to compare Julian Edelman as Brady's number one receiver to Steve Kerr, who was a role player, who was also just like John Paxson, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, you got me stuck. I mean, yeah, he really don't have the number one receiver. But, uh, man, look, man. Brady not great than Joel. That's all I know. Like, he's Brady has lost before. It's simple as this, man. The man has lost three Super Bowls. And all right, and it's, and as great as we talking about, he is. He was great to get him there. God forbid, we, the Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. We, it's not a foregone. At least I'm a foregone conclusions. Let's say how somehow McVay and Golf and all them put something together, and they wind up beating these dudes. So the so the same team that started Brady's uh, uh, dynasty and greatness, the Rams, that's part of the organization, they might end it. So so say Brady goes, he loses this one and goes four, five and four, only one game over five hundred in the Super Bowl. And you're still saying better than Jordan, who has zero losses when he gets when he gets to that when Jordan gets to that uh, mountain, the top of the mountain, he doesn't fall back down at all at, at any point. He goes over and he conquers it. He is six and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, and he is beaten. And out of those six, he is beating Hall of Famers. Brady, Brady beats. I don't even know who the Hall of Famer Stop Brady it. beat when he when he's Kurt, winning. Marshall Falk, other than Curtin them, other than Curtin them in the okay. first one. So that I mean, was the first one. Who, who he beat on that Carolina? Carolina, Carolina had no Hall of Famers. That Eagles, young, I give him Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens, that was it. Yeah, T.O. He beat T.O. And because uh, McNabb, McNabb hasn't made it, right? My man Russ. <laughs> Here you go with that Richmond Russell stuff. Russell ain't no Hall of Famer yet, though. Boom. Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, um, Earl Thomas. Okay, you're right. Legion of yeah, Legion of Boom was in the Hall of Fame. Ain't nobody from Atlanta other than maybe Julio might make. Hey, and that's just the teams he played in the Super Bowl. Don't forget about the AFC. Who? Who in the AFC? <laughs> Peyton Manning, uh, Edron James, Marvin Harrison. Um, you got the Steelers, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. Come, stop it. All right, yeah, yeah, that's it. Because his division has been horrible. His own division has division? been horrible. Tell me who was in the Central Division in the 90s. For Michael to get in the way. Who we talking about? Greg Elo? Reggie Miller. <laughs> Reggie Miller. <laughs> little bony, little bony, little bony Reggie. But Jordan had to get over the Detroit hump. He had to get over the Detroit hump. All I'm saying is they both great in their aspect. They both great. This is a, this is a fun argument to have. This is something that really can't be, you can't prove it because it's two different sports. It's all opinion. But in my opinion, six and zero is always going to be greater than six and three or or five and four. So simple as that. Like Jordan doesn't even know we're losing. Like we can have this argument, and we can have Brady and Jordan right here, and Jordan can literally ask Brady. So what did it feel like when you lost the foals? Or what did it feel like when you lost to uh, to uh, the Peyton's little brother twice? And then he could be like, and then and Tom Brady could be like, Jordan, what did it feel like when you lost the championship? And Jordan could just be like, well, I don't know because I never or, lost. Or or it would be Tom Brady would be like Michael Jordan. How does it feel to actually play a season and not make it to the playoffs? Or how does it feel to be 40 years old and not be an MVP or not make it to the championship game? So, you know, tomato, tomato, I suppose. That was one time his rookie year. His rookie year. Come on now. Yes, he didn't make it his last two years. When? With the Wizards. Man, the Wizards don't count. That don't count, man. <laughs> hey, man, it's been super fun having my cousin on. 
Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, and y'all know what time it is. Each and every month, he makes an appearance on the Quarterly Report, man. We had a ball today. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Deke, as always, man, thank you so much, and I can't wait to have you back on in February. Somebody test Brady before the Super Bowl, man. He's on something, man. <laughs> that man, 41, still looking like he's 21 out there, man. <laughs> All right, y'all, man. We are three quarters down with one quarter left. And for our fourth quarter this week, I'm going to send out my sympathy to one figure in the sports world. Can you guess who it is? Let's see. For our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. There are a lot of sympathetic figures in the sports world. Just like, I guess, as is in any facet of our lives, right? There are certain people who you're like, man, I feel for you. The, the Bama who Ringo Starr replaced for the Beatles. I feel for dude. I don't even know his name. But can you imagine being the guy who gets replaced or for whatever? I don't know the backstory. But you're the Bama who was the, the original drummer for the Beatles. And let's say your car broke down. And you couldn't make it to this big audition. So they had to call an audible last second in his Ringo. And from there, boom, everything takes off. Can you imagine being a dude still in London? Working at your, 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 your uncle's shop, doing whatever it is that you got to do. Maybe, you know, you're part of the transit system now. It's like, Slim, I feel for dude. I feel for you. Imagine if, you know, you was a fly girl. And you gave Jennifer Lopez all the pointers and you were her mentor. Then you just, for whatever reason, that debut episode, you was like, you told your agent, nah, I'm not really feeling that. I'm not, I'm, I want to be. I want to pursue my singing career, and then J Lo got the opportunity and a bomb. You know, you look back and say, "I feel for you. I empathize for you. I feel sorry." There's a long line of people who, you know, music execs who missed out on signing Drake. You know, I remember an old old video. There's Dame Dash, and he's talking about how he passed on Nelly. This is when Nelly was like nuclear. I feel for people like that. You know, Dame is going to be all right. But like the people who, whose lives would have changed dramatically if not for this one opportunity. Or if they didn't get this certain amount of shine. They put in the work, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't in their, the cards for them to get this mass amount of success and notoriety. I feel for people like that. And my mind often wonders about the what ifs. There's one person in sports who I feel awful for right now. Awful. Because he took the shots. This person took the bullets while in the fire. Feet in the fire. And they ran his ass up out of town. And now... The fruits of his labor are coming alive and everybody's talking about, yo, this is where this is where you want to be. This job right here, this this team right now, this organization, they are on the right track. They are going to do really big, promising things. And that person that I'm talking about, the person who I feel sorry for more than anyone else in sports. is Sashi Brown. Sashi Brown, bro, I, I feel for him on several different levels. Obviously, number one, for those of you who don't know, Sashi Brown was the former general manager or president of football operations. I don't know which title they had, but he was the guy running things for the Cleveland Browns. And I think they gave him like a year and a half. And his idea was simple. 
is, a, is an idea that we see in the NBA all the time. We're going to tank. We are not going to try to be good. We're going to acquire assets. We are going to make moves. We are going to use the salary cap to our advantage. And then once we finish stockpiling, we are going to blitz the league and we are going to do things. We are not going to do things conventional. We are not going to be the same old, same old. We are going to think outside the box. And this comes off of the success of the Philadelphia 76ers. So on one level, I feel bad for Sashi Brown because he is watching, right, his creation manifest. But he's not able to run that. He's not getting any credit all offseason, or not offseason, but since the Browns uh, finished, what was it, 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9. and nine. Once they lost their last game to the Baltimore Ravens, everyone was talking about, okay, this job, you get Baker Mayfield, Offensive Rookie of the Year. You can coach Baker. You've got Miles Garrett. You've got Nick Chubb, Bo Chubb. You've got this entire, this, this mold, this mound of clay. And you can create, you can do whatever you want with this team. And we've got all this money in the cap. Everybody is desiring to be here in Cleveland. They have something special. They have all these things that are special because Sashi Brown was like, bro, we can't keep doing the status quo. So I feel bad for him on that level. But dig this. Unlike Sam Hinkie, who was like a cult icon in Philadelphia, nobody gives Sashi Brown any love. Sam Hinkie is a made man. We don't know if Sam Hinkie would have been a good general manager when it was time to start winning. He had an idea. An idea that when you think about it makes some sense. And during his idea, he was able to land not one, but two amazing basketball players and find Robert Covington, which then and drafted Dario Sarge, which then enabled them to bring in another amazing basketball player in Jimmy Butler. But we don't know if he would have been able to, like, acquiring assets and then managing said assets. It's two totally different things. We don't know if Sam Hankey would have been a great general manager once it was time to win. But no one thinks about that. We just think of Sam Hankey, master child of, or the brain behind trust the process. And that's where I start to really own in on my, my sympathy for Sashi Brown because, damn it, he needed a slogan. He needed a slogan. I 100% believe if Sashi Brown had some type of catchy little phrase or slogan or whatever you want to call it, more people would be willing to give him the flowers that he deserves. Because now... Nobody talk about Sashi Brown. But look at all the young players. All the picks that have been turned into these stud young players that were brought in because of his vision. He was the one who traded for Brock Osweiler so he could get picks. He was the dude who did that. And I thought that was genius. Sashi Dan Brown. 
But he's going to be, he won't even be a cliff note in the, in the book of 2000, and, of the 2000 sports era. No, the Cleveland Browns could win a Super Bowl in three years, and nobody would think to be like, damn, Sashi Brown kind of started this thing. He was the one who, led, who paved the way, who paved this foundation. He won't get any love. So, damn it, that's what I'm doing right now on the quarterly report. We are not only going to give Sashi Brown love because it worked. It worked just as much as the quote-unquote process worked in the NBA. So not only are we going to give the love to Sashi Brown, who, who turned around the Cleveland Browns, the Browns, but we also got to come up with a slogan, bro. We got to come up with something for Sashi. Because like I feel like this is just a, a super missed opportunity. His name is Sashi Brown, who is the GM of the Cleveland Browns, right? What can Brown do for you? He should have been like that. Trust the process in Philly. What can Brown do for you in Cleveland? Bomb. Case closed. Sashi Brown. Who is Sashi Brown? Remember, who is Sasha Fierce? Do something. Slim. I feel for the dude because no one's going to remember him. So help me out, y'all, man. How we? How can we as a community, as a quarterly report, sports and entertainment fan base or collective, I don't want to say fan base, but as a community, how can we make sure we give Sashi Brown the love and respect that he deserves. Dog, we got muscle. You know, we are a an ever-growing community, okay? The numbers continue to grow. Number one, thank you guys so much for listening and telling your friends about the show. Y'all don't know how much I love y'all for that. But number two, when we started this podcast, I had a desire, I had a quest, I had a mission to bring Brack Tesh. We started the hashtag, and a few of y'all rocked with me, and then a few once once fox sports brought it back for college basketball a whole bunch of y'all let me know that we brought back tesh now i still think that is a massive failure on the nbc sports uh networks throughout the country they should have kept round ball rock for their own entity and all these regional sports networks who do have the NBC, the NBC or NBA properties being DC, Boston, Chicago, Golden State, Portland. All these all these affiliates who have the NBC or you know under the NBC umbrella, they should have used round ball rock, but whatever. That's the L, that's their mistake. We won't make the same mistake. So just as we rally together to bring back tests, we need to rally together to come up with something for Sashi Brown, man, because that brother deserves it. I don't know if he's ever, you don't ever, he, you don't see him on television. I don't hear him on the radio. He's like, he's exactly what Sam Hankey is without the love. Sam Hankey just rolled off into the sunset. Sasha Brown got his ass kicked off into the sunset. You know what I'm saying? Just a, a bizarro world version of both guys. And I feel for Sashi. So come on, man. Let's rally together. Let's bring in the troops. And let's use our creative minds to find a slogan, a catchphrase, uh, something that we can attribute to the one and only Sashi Brown, bro. Because the world, it's a cold world out here, young. 
But we here in the quarterly report community, we are going to be a blanket for this man, man. Give him the love that he deserves. Cause he's not getting any anytime soon from anybody else. That is the show this week, man. I obviously I'm in I'm in a, a giving mood, bro. You know, Valentine's Day is around the corner. We just came off the holidays. Everybody's spirit should still be lifted despite the fact that it's cold as hell outside. Side note, cold as hell. I hear it all the time. That doesn't really make much sense, does it? Whatever. Other things that you can ponder as you wait for next week's show, next Thursday, each and every week on the Quarterly Report Podcast. I want to thank my cousin again, Sadiq Abdul, for joining me. I want to thank each and every one of you all for listening again. Remember, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show on Twitter and follow me on Instagram at quarterly report. We've got a lot of fun, dope stuff going on all your social media platforms. So, man, continue to check me out, continue to rock with me and continue to tell your friends and your neighbors and your, your loved ones and co-workers and whatever the case may be to check out the podcast on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podknife, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are available there. Thank you each and every one of you all for rocking with me, and I will see you back here next week on the Quarterly Report.